morning. Got some prints to start off our Monday. Good morning, everyone. I'm doing it a little different today because I'm not doing a countdown. I'm starting the show this way. Good morning to everyone out there, or good afternoon to everyone out there in podcast audio land. You're getting a different version of the show today because I need to set it up this way. I hope you guys are ready for an an amazing week. I'm excited. I don't know why. I'm just in a good mood today. (laughs) Hello to everyone in the chat. We've got Yoma. Sharon, of course, is there chatting it up. Molly. Brian. Mom is in the chat. Tennessee Woman's there. Muscle Engineer is back. Liberty Bell, WJR. Opening up the show today with some prints. Why would I do that? Well, yesterday was the Super Bowl, and I didn't watch a minute of it. I'm just catching up this morning with everything. But I've got a lot of things that I need to do this morning with with the Super Bowl because I have thoughts. And we're going to do some... Super Bowl to start, second half of the show. I want to get try to get into some of the Florida Grand Jury and then move into some of what's going on in Ukraine that I think is super important for everybody to understand. That being said, if you heard the beginning of the song, you know how it opens. So we're going to do some laughs. We're going to get ourselves nice and chipper before we hit the serious stuff. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Share this out with your friends. Hit the like button. Audio subs, you can definitely share this out with your friends too. And if you don't mind, leave a review. (laughs) That would be awesome. But it reminded me of this. One of my favorite stand-up comedians in the world is Sebastian Maniscalco. As a matter of fact, my husband and I had to save up to buy tickets to his show when he comes to Charleston here in South Carolina in September. Because we, we, we need to see Sebastian in person. But Sebastian did this bit on Prince. And the reason why Prince is coming up is because people are saying that his halftime show in 2007 was just fantastic. And I've got it for you. We can listen to a little Purple Rain. We can do a Prince Monday. But let's listen to Sebastian here because I will never hear the song we just heard to open the show again in the same way. After listening to Sebastian, off we go. Prince, remember when this guy first came out? Four foot two? Four foot two with high heels. I didn't even question that. Purple Rain? The movie changed my life. Remember that motorcycle he had? Eight times too big for him? Remember when he pulled up to Lake Minnetonka? He's sitting on his bike with that black jumpsuit, that mane for a hairdo, that shit around the mouth, whatever the hell that was. His little boots. Size two boots. Apollonia, Apollonia was this guy's girlfriend's name. Could you imagine meeting this couple at a party? Hey, how you doing? My name's Prince. This is Apollonia. What's your name? You're like, shit, I gotta go change it. What do you come back 
with. My name's John, this is Carol. What the hell are you? Are those mini boots? What do you have? That lace around your wrists? Who are you? I wanted to be Prince. I'd walk around my house out of nowhere. Dearly beloved. Dearly beloved. My mother be like, what the hell did you just say? Mother, I said dearly beloved. <laughs> now what do we got? American Idol? Some idiot from Montana singing a song in his t-shirt with his entire family in the front row telling America to vote. Vote! Vote for our child so we can all have a better life. <laughs> Fuck your kid. <laughs> he stinks. Put him in the trunk. Dearly beloved. So Friends now, forever, forevermore, forevermore, whenever you hear that Prince song, you will all say, Dearly beloved. <laughs> you're welcome. That's all. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, over the weekend, this comedian made a huge, huge splash for what he did here. To show them the reason George Floyd got his neck nailed on. <laughs> Don't ooh at that joke. It's just a joke, man. I would have never kneeled on George Floyd's neck. I would have shot that nigga. That was <laughs> making us look. It's called comedy, nigga. How many more black fans I gotta hit that might leave? Oh, good shit, man. I got, I got. Cause nigga, I was just warming up with that George Floyd shit. You ready to go? All right, baby. Okay. All right, you offended too, baby, with the braids? Right. You offended too? God damn, man, stop. Y'all good? Or y'all about to? Oh, I'm... I like Kyle Rittenhouse too. I like Kyle Rittenhouse too. You too, bro? God damn, bro. Oh, but you fuck with me a little bit, right? Uh, see that? Is, yeah. Damn, one more guy. Damn, man. That nigga don't even want to go, but his ride leaving. He don't even want to go. He like, man, I don't like George Floyd either, man. That nigga, that nigga had fitting on. God damn, you got a stoop low for a joke. George Floyd would have robbed you too, bitch. Get <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody can take comedy anymore. They all left. Well, a lot of them did anyway. Some of them stayed. I like Kyle Rittenhouse, too. <laughs> oh, goodness. Insane. And then in the Super Bowl, this was probably the most amazing commercial I've seen so far. 
pales it 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 is a is a direct opposite to the I think it's here be us the blasphemous foot washing commercial that was on but this one was beautiful God we take this moment just to give you thanks we thank you for this time to come together as a family as friends and as a country help us Lord especially this Lent to grow closer to you amen Join us in prayer this Lent on Hallow. Stay prayed up. That's what we need to see more of. Just beautiful. Hallow was great. That commercial was great. Then we had, oh, well, I have the purple rain. I put it out of place, but that's okay. Um, This one was actually really good, too. And... I enjoyed it. If you're listening only, there is some anti-Semitic um, graffiti on this young this young mother's garage door. Mom, we're gonna be late. Hi, Mr. Tony. Mom, what's that? Nothing. Just get in the car. Let's go. Who did that? Come on. Right now. In. Get in. Right now. Let's go. Did you paint it or something? Move it. Seatbelt on right now. Put your seatbelt on. And now it's gone because the neighbor who was fixing his car painted it. Hi, Mr. Cody. This one got me because, not because of what it is necessarily, but because of how kind humanity actually really is. Because this would actually really happen in the real world. And we don't get to see enough of it ever. And it's beautiful. So I liked it. I don't know who's behind it. I don't know whatever, but it just, it touched me a little. So there was that. And then... This is a, like, this was the best thing I've seen in a long time outside of the chicken commercial that the Trump campaign just released. This one was actually really good. It did not play on the Super Bowl, but it's it's a really good ad. I don't even know why they're wasting dollars on this stuff. She's so putrid. But here, let's watch this Trump, this Trump commercial. Actually, really, really good. Prove the fact that Donald Trump says I want to cut Social Security or raise the age. I've never said that. There's the red challenge hat. Trump's challenging Haley's statement. Haley's claims she didn't call for raising the age of Social Security is under review. Tony, here's exactly what the official is looking at. Social Security, Medicare, how would you manage the entitlements? We say the rules have changed. What we do know is 65 is way too low and we need to increase that. 65 is way too low and we need to increase that. Let's take a look at another angle. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. I think the call's pretty clear, but let's go down to the field and see what official Gene Tooney has to say. After review, Nikki Haley clearly said she plans to change the rules and raise the age of Social Security. This results in cutting benefits for 82% of America. Bob, that was a rookie mistake by Haley. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. It was just good. 
Just really good. <laughs> really, really good. Really good. Um, and, you know, we've got Biden on Super Bowl Sunday taking on in, <laughs> taking on the corporations, the evil corporations who are downsizing their packaging to make sure that they're giving you the extra large, supersized bag of toxic chips for the same price, but putting a quarter of the amount in them. And it's very important that we go after the evil corporations for this. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size. Oh, bummer. Not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the product's little by little and hoping you won't notice. <laughs> there are so many things you could say about this. <laughs> They're trying to pull a fast one by trying to get ahead of inflation that's caused by me. Like the same way we're slowly, slowly trying to take over the country. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing. They just don't care anymore. They think you're stupid and they don't care anymore. Companies, you'd better stop shrinking the sizes of your bags to keep up with our inflation. It's your fault that Americans can't eat as much of their cholesterol medicine in the Oreo package as they used to be able to eat. It's your fault. And we had the Kennedy ad, which it didn't hit with me. A lot of people liked it. It didn't hit with me for some reason. This wasn't Kennedy. This was a pack of Kennedys, and that'll be important in a second. A man for president who's seasoned through and through. A man who's old enough to know and young enough to do. Well, it's up to you, it's up to you, it's strictly up to you. American Value 2024 is responsible for the content of this advertisement. And his relatives just went nuts. Bobby Shriver says, My cousin's Super Bowl ad used our uncle's faces and my mother's. She would be appalled at his deadly health care views. Respect for science, vaccines, and healthcare equity were in her DNA. She strongly supported my healthcare work at one campaign in red, which he opposes. And then, of course, RFK has to come in and apologize. I'm so sorry if that advertisement caused you pain. The ad was created and aired by the American Value Super PAC without any involvement or approvals from my campaign. Federal rules prohibit super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. I send you and your family my sincerest apologies. God bless you. God bless you. And the other one, there's two more. And then I'm going to play a Kennedy bit that you'll like towards the end about Ukraine. That is so good. It is just so good and so true. So true, in fact, that Chip Roy retweeted it or reposted it. 
I'm doing a Twitter space money bomb for Chip Roy this evening. He will be on the space with us. It will be, I think it's six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm just, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to do the Popeye's commercial and then we're going to get into all the serious stuff that'll just make you cringe. But this was great. I liked this one. We can have fun, guys, you know? Every once in a blue, we can have fun. Here's Popeye's. They froze this dude from the 70s. Here we go. You're unfreezing me. That means... Yes. There's a better chicken wing. Popeye's. The sailor man? No. The chicken place. Crispy. Juicy. What else have we done? I mean, man, there's a lot. There's a lot to be going on. Mm, here we go. Make it stop! Make it stop! Two dogs in one? Impossible! A pack for your fanny? Genius! What the f***? <laughs> Come to Papa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We did it! The wait is over. <laughs> Made me laugh. Made me laugh. All right. Now, Citizen Free Press had this clip up of Biden from 2018. And I want to show you this because I'm going to show you something else in a minute. And, you know, everybody's in a hubbub about who's going to be the nominee because we really don't think it's going to be Biden. And I was anti, anti, anti. I did not believe they'd trot Michelle Obama out there. But when I saw people start coming out so vociferously on the left and saying, it will never be her, I was like, hmm. And I'll show you that in a second. But let's watch this. Is age a legitimate issue? It is a legitimate issue. Sure it is. And I think people are going to judge it. If I were to run, I think they're going to judge me on my vitality. Yeah. Can I still run up the steps of Air Force Two? Am I still in good shape? Am I, do I have all my faculties? Am I, am I energetic? I think it's totally legitimate people to ask those questions. This is 2018. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? He was cogent. Here's now. Anyway. And I don't want to, I don't want to, Maybe choose my words. I was just thinking, uh, uh, the, anyway. But I, I just, look, I mean, Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah. It was in February, February uh, January, after we been elected. The late January, early, early February. He said, uh, it's not, we lead, uh, not just, uh, well, I won't go into it. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. It's just so, it's so, it's, it's five minutes and three seconds of this. Seeing them next to one another like that is pretty, pretty shocking. I, I'm one of those people, I know that everybody gets pissy at me when I do this but I actually have this human part of me that feels so bad for what they're doing to him he was a bad man and is a bad man yes but um this is this is unfortunate to say the very least just just unfortunate um 
CNN even did a piece fact-checking him for four minutes. While one thing that President Biden said is basically that he stored the documents in filing cabinets that could be locked. Let's listen. All the stuff that was in my home was in filing cabinets that were either locked or able to be locked. Daniel? Just, just not true, John. Uh, this report from the special counsel includes photos. Those photos include shots of a box uh, just sitting in president. This is CNN destroying Joe Biden for four straight minutes. And again, like we said on Friday, if you think that the DOJ had to include that stuff. Now, the Bidens seem to be livid. Kamala Harris, in her own <laughs> way, <laughs> seems to be livid. It's very odd. I'm trying to dissect this. But here's Axelrod. Listen to this. I got to ask you about this. Look at who Vegas odds makers are saying have the best chances of being elected this fall. Trump is a five to six shot. It's better than even. Biden, 15 to eight, a little better than two to one. Next in line, Michelle Obama, 11 to one. Ahead of Nikki Haley, Gavin Newsom, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Kamala Harris. I don't know about you, David. I've got people in my orbit and my radio listeners say the same thing. There's like always a family member who says, in my case, it's my brother, Keep your eye on Michelle Obama. And I say, that is crazy. What should we be saying about Michelle Obama? Well, here's what I know. Uh, Michelle Obama, Obama loves this country. She's, she's a, a brilliant person and a brilliant communicator. But she was a conscript to politics. She never was interested in a political life. Even when uh, uh, Barack Obama was a young politician, uh, she really didn't participate much. Uh, in his campaigns. I, I was with him in his Senate campaign in 2004. I think she showed up twice uh, in the whole campaign uh, on election nights. So, uh, you know, she uh, she's not someone who likes politics. She doesn't like the tone and tenor of politics. Uh, and I would be floored <laughs> if she would uh, consent to that. They feel that they gave 10 years of their life to this, 14, and I'm sure she feels 18. as uh, Barbara Bush did when she said there has to be someone other than the Bushes and the Clintons who could be president of the United States. My guess is that's her attitude. I always say, Michael, that I have as much chance of dancing in the Bolshoi Ballet next year than, uh, than that she would be president of the United States. Uh, and so if you see me running around at the end of the year in a leotard, you'll know it. <laughs> I don't take this the way that a lot of people do. I really don't. So we'll keep our eye on that. This three minutes and 23 seconds that we are about to watch from RFK is probably the most powerful truth on the matter that we've seen in a long, long time. And if you haven't seen this yet, definitely buckle up because... We're going to use this to segue into a piece that Michelle and I wrote for The High Wire about what they're doing with digitized, basically, social credit score-like trials in Ukraine. Anybody that says that we're sending money over to Ukraine, ugh, here we go. This is a war that should have never happened. 
It's a war that Russians tried repeatedly to settle on terms that were very, very beneficial to Ukraine and us. The major thing they wanted was for us to keep NATO out of the Ukraine. The big military contractors want to add new countries to NATO all the time. Why? Because then that country has to conform its military purchases to NATO weapon specifications, which means certain companies, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, and Lockheed, get a trapped market. In March of 2022, we committed $113 billion. Just to give you an example, we could have built a home for almost every homeless person in this country. We then committed another $24 billion since then, two months ago, and now President Biden is asking for another $60 billion. But the big, big expenses are going to come after the war, when we have to rebuild all the things that we destroyed. Mitch McConnell was asked, can we really afford to spend $113 billion to Ukraine? He said, don't worry. It's not really going to Ukraine. It's, it's going, going to, to American defense manufacturers. So he just admitted it's a money laundering scheme. And who do you think owns every one of those companies? Blackrock. Yeah, BlackRock. So Tim Scott, during the Republican debate, said, don't worry, it's not a gift to Ukraine. It's a loan. So raise your hand if you think that that loan's ever getting paid back. Yeah, of course it's not. So why do they call it a loan? Because if they call it a loan, they can impose loan conditions. And what are the loan conditions that we impose on? Number one, of extreme austerity program, so that if you're poor in Ukraine, you're going to be poor forever. Number two, most important, Ukraine has to put all of its government-owned assets up for sale to multinational corporations including all of its agricultural land, the biggest single asset in Europe, in Ukraine. There's been a thousand years of war fought over that land. It's the richest farmland in the world. It's the breadbasket of Europe. 500,000 kids almost, Ukrainians have died to keep that land as part of Ukraine. They almost certainly didn't know about this loan condition. They've already sold 30% of it. The buyers were DuPont, Cargill and Monsanto. Who do you think owns all of those companies? Blackrock. Yeah, BlackRock. And then in December, President Biden gave out the contract to rebuild Ukraine. And who do you think got that contract? BlackRock. So they're doing this right in front of us. They don't even care that we know anymore because they know that they can get away with it. And how do they know that? Because they have a strategy. And that strategy is an old, old strategy, which is they keep us at war with each other. They keep us hating on each other. They keep the Republicans and Democrats fighting each other, and black against white, and all these divisions that they sow. This is a very long column, but I want everybody to understand this. The World Economic Forum recently announced that along with Ukraine's Ministry of Digital Transformation, it'll establish a GovTech center for the fourth industrial revolution in Ukraine to advance the nation's role as the esteemed leader in the digitization of the global economy. 
That's no small announcement. The WEF press release dated January 18th, 2024, praised Ukraine, remarking that thanks to its U.S. funded, I think it's DIA the way it's pronounced, DIA app, allowing Ukrainians to, quote, access essential documents and government services. It's the first country in the world to have a digital ID system that can be used nationwide. Overlapping with the WEF news, USAID, the U.S. agency behind the implementation of DIA, declared that it intends to provide at least $650,000 to collaborate with Ukraine to bring its digital triumph to other partner countries who seek to accelerate their own digital transformation. Indeed, USAID's funding in Ukraine is extensive. It provided funding to the Ukrainian government to develop the app and has allocated another $8.5 million to help expand its services during the war with Russia. <clears throat> the move is a huge step forward in the WEF's plans for a new dystopian future where, from birth, individuals must participate in a monitored social contract between governments, businesses, and citizens to live day to day. For those unaware that this scheme will control every aspect of daily life, it's time to wake up. Think Hunger Games, Klaus Schwab's beloved fourth industrial revolution, which he peddles as a holistic, well-intentioned progression that humanity must make for the greater good. It's the exact opposite. The scheme is the criminal billionaire deep state's great reset that fuses digital, physical, and biological systems into one, altogether blurring the lines between physical and digital realities and can bring civilization to a screeching halt at any given moment. To quote Schwab, quote, it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. Hence, the DIA app is a massive red flag. For context, the app was launched in Ukraine in February of 2020 and is lauded as, quote, the state in a smartphone, an essential part of President Vladimir Zelensky's election manifesto that helped him win a presidential campaign where he made no public speeches, held no rallies, and gave no press conferences. Considering he's now in charge of a political hotspot, his virtual crusade is all too familiar and is quite troubling. But back to the app. It's the focus of a five-year, $150 million award by USAID and UK Dev to the Eurasia Foundation. According to the Eurasia Foundation, the endeavor, dubbed the Ukraine Digital Transformation Activity, is dedicated to enhancing Ukraine's digital capabilities and building resilient systems for a secure, prosperous future. Without question, merging humans with technology is an objective of the WEF's four, Fourth Industrial Revolution, or 4IR, we call it. Without um, Biden as its ally for years and significant funding from Soros's Open Society Foundations, many of which are headquartered in Ukraine, the devil's playground, as I like to say, Mm -mm. The Eurasia's foundation involvement builds on its long-standing partnership with USAID, UK Dev, and the government of Ukraine to advance, advance the nation's digital transformation. Indeed, the perfect setup for a social credit system, the DIA app currently connects more than 19 million Ukrainians with over 120 government services and the digital services that underpin them. It contains documents like a government, uh, a person's ID card, foreign biometric passport, student card, driver's license, vehicle registration, vehicle insurance, tax number, birth certificate, access to social aid and international and domestic vaccination certificates, PCR test or recovery certificates if applicable. 
Using the app, Ukrainians can share digital copies of the documents, pay debts or fines. In addition to the mobile app, the web portal offers 70 services, including COVID-19 vaccine certificates, certificates of income, issuance of a construction passport, registration of residents, housing loans for migrants, state registration of real estate rights, the assignment of housing subsidies, and the assignment of pension. All digital documents in DIA have the same legal force as their paper or plastic counterparts. Are you guys paying attention? It's a test. It's a beta. As Ukraine moves towards becoming a fully digitized nation while claiming that the $130 billion it has received from the U.S. for its war against Russia is actually benefiting American interests, Ukraine boasts that its IT sector is booming despite its ongoing U.S.-funded war with Russia. Two weeks before the war began, the Dia City concept was launched to assist in its digital quest, offering unique tax and legal space for IT businesses. Ukraine declares that its IT sector provides about 4% of their GDP and nearly 40% of its exports of services, which has allowed it to, to, to deliver stable growth. Which it's, with its low tax incentives and other perks, Dia City's aggressive goals seek to transform Ukraine into the most prominent IT hub in Europe. And there's a lot more history in here. A lot more history. The article goes on for quite a while. With nearly six million. They talk about it here too. This piece is so well done. You guys have to read it. Sharon linked it in the chat. There's so much over there. And the cut and dry black and white that I see all over the place. Well, oh, we're sending our aid, but it's being used for this and this and this. See? And I'm like, that's what some NGO says. We know what that money's being used for. It's not It's not what everybody is, is force-fed, and it just blows my mind that, you know, if I say, I, 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 don't, be I don't believe that. Like, show me, show me. You're not showing me anything but a chart. That, that means nothing to me. We, the, the Ukraine is the, the NGO and uh, the, the global elitist NGO headquarters. They have been pillaging that country for years. We were responsible for regime change in Ukraine back years ago. So no, am I a big, you know, rah, 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 go Russia fan? No. But this is so deep and so broad and so corrupt. What they're doing to Ukraine and its people. The leaders are corrupt. They've always been corrupt. We've known they've always been corrupt. There's history there. We can see it with our eyes. But the poor people there that are going to be subjected to this. That's who I care about. The innocent people there. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And your tax dollars and money that doesn't exist that they print out of thin air are all going to this. And some people say that makes me an isolationist. No, it makes me a non-interventionalist. I, I, we, we are, we are way too involved in this sort of a thing for me to just sit there and be, yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, I just don't understand everything because I'm not, you know, I'm not in government or I don't, I don't get it or, mm -mm. 
this, this is the kind of stuff that we should all be standing against. Like, this is terrible. And it's just the precursor to what they're going to try to do elsewhere if we don't stand up and stop them. How many of you pay with your phone? How many of you pay with your phone? Now, I wanted to do this last week, changing topics a little bit for the last 20 minutes. I wanted to do this last week and I couldn't because it was busy. The Florida grand jury issued its first presentment on the COVID-19 vaccines. Ron DeSantis, put your politics aside for a moment. This is really important and has nothing to do with DeSantis as a person, okay? He appointed a grand jury to look into whether or not there was any criminality surrounding the COVID-19 vaccines. And then he let them go do their work. And they came out last week with their, or two weeks ago now, with their first presentment. That's what they call it. These grand juries can issue indictments and they can also issue reports. And the first thing that they're doing is issuing a report. And what they said was, before we can go ahead and figure out whether or not the COVID-19 vaccines have any criminality surrounding them, we need to understand the beginning of this all. Because if the if the response, meaning like basically if, if the mandates and the push from the government to mandate these things was for a valid reason, that changes everything in terms of intent. And they took this with such a methodical, you know, methodology, for lack of a better word. Um, On December 13th, 2022, that grand jury was appointed to investigate whether there were crimes or wrongdoing committed against Floridians regarding the vaccine. The question remains whether or not they'll find that the initial mandates were actually criminal. And some of what was said in here kind of made me take a pause because it almost sounded like they were giving the early um, vaccine formulations a pass. But when I read further, I realized that's not the case at all. The petition for this is from the actual from the actual report. The petition for order to impanel the 22nd statewide grand jury contains a wide variety of alleged misrepresentations by public and private officials involving involving qualities attributed to COVID-19 vaccines. These include assertions that side effects from the vaccines either were not established or later on were extremely or very rare. So saying things were very rare is a problem. That the benefit risk profile of our vaccine remains positive that the vaccines will stop, slow, or limit the spread of COVID-19, that the vaccines prevent COVID-19 disease with an efficacy of over 90%, that getting vaccinated isn't just about protecting you, but also your community, that vaccination was key to eventually developing herd immunity, and perhaps most importantly, that the vaccines were safe and effective as determined by data from the manufacturers. All of the alleged misrepresentation described above, and for that matter, the broader category of attributed statements from the petition, share two primary commonalities. One, every statement involving the risk of a vaccine or the rarity of a vaccine side effects is essentially a statement about the vaccine safety. 
And every statement about the vaccine's ability to prevent COVID-19 is essentially a statement about its effectiveness. Because of these two concepts, safety and effectiveness form the axes ground for which the alleged misrepresentation orbit, we believe it appropriate that we form that they form the primary focus of our inquiry. They go on to define how the FDA uses the words safe and effective. They say this, most vaccines act to remove individuals from the susceptible category altogether, effectively preventing the population from entering the SEIR model with respect to a particular virus. COVID-19 vaccines appear to have had a dual effect, reducing the susceptible, the susceptible population in a limited way and for a limited time, and providing the, quote, infected with some protection from the more serious consequences of disease for a longer but still apparently limited period. And that's when I said, oh, no, saying anything positive about these mm, shots. And with all this being said, of course, as always, I recommend you read the entire thing for yourself. It's really a breath of fresh air to see the things that we reported on and talked about all together as a group codified because we said them from the beginning. It's also important to note that it could be possible that all we get from this grand jury are presentments like this and no indictments. But take heart because of you guys, there's a wealth of public information available to the grand jury because guess what? They couldn't get people to come in and testify. I don't, I don't know why they couldn't do subpoenas and all that, but I'm, I'm going to find out. Some of the things in this that were, were quite amazing to read that are now fact, fact. We know for a fact that hospitals benefited financially from declaring things covid they say, nevertheless, putting that money on offer creates incentives to report more than just hospitalizations for COVID-19. We know for a fact this happened because numerous federal and state officials have publicly stated they didn't ask or require hospitals to distinguish cases where someone was admitted with incidental COVID versus when they were so sick with COVID, they required hospitalization. Thus, the CDC's number of total hospitalizations is inflated to some degree with asymptomatic or minor infections that were classified as hospitalization in order to financially benefit. And if they used those hospitalization numbers to scare the public into thinking there was a pandemic much greater than there was, that's a problem in terms of criminality. So... With all of that being said, understand all we were saying th that if you go into the hospital, you're getting a COVID test. And if there is anything on that PCR test that never worked in the first place, depending on how far they amped up the cycle, remember, we were all there. We all remember. If there was any of that going on, the hospital was getting paid per COVID case. So obviously they're going to do what they do while the dancing nurses film their TikToks. They also acknowledged in this grand jury report the inflated death numbers arising from passing with rather than from. Somebody gets into a car accident and dies, the opposite of what Walensky said. We listened to that on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Somebody gets into a car accident, dies. They're tested for COVID. They have COVID. They died of COVID. Oh, look at that huge skyrocketing, skyrocketing COVID death count that they played on the side of the legacy media all day long, every single day. 
The numerator, when people die, other people tend to notice. This means that unlike symptomatic or especially asymptomatic infections, the number of people who died from COVID-19 should be relatively easy to determine because deaths are recorded by hospitals, coroners, and state agencies. For example, the CDC reports that as of the writing of this presentment, roughly 1.17 million Americans have died from COVID-19. Like the number of total hospitalizations, however, this figure is very likely inflated to some extent with people who died with rather than of COVID-19 disease in order to financially benefit whatever hospital the person died in. And the good old CARES Act, the bill that I railed against from the very beginning, Thomas Massey railed against from the very beginning, and everyone told us we were nuts for it, provides for a death benefit of up to $9,000 to the families of those who died from COVID-19. Anecdotal, but firsthand, hospitals telling families if you say he died from COVID, we can give you an extra $9,000 in your loss. But he didn't have COVID. We know. AOC, I believe, was even out there telling people to do this. Telling them to. Additionally, it acknowledges a cash death benefit granting hospital... Oh, wait. Um, the infection fatality rate. They actually did the work to get to what the actual infection fatality rate was, meaning if you're infected, what the percentage chance is that you will pass from, from COVID. They, they did this. They got it. And this is stuff that they, they say after this. They knew at the time. Another very important thing in terms of a criminal investigation. When did you know what you knew? If you were 85 years old, your infection fatality rate was 12.9%. Even 55 and 65-year-olds were at 0.6 and 1.7%. A 75-year-old is 4%. A 5-year-old who they're recommending go out and get double jabbed, triple jabbed, quadruple jabbed with this poison, 0.002%. 15-year-olds, 0.006%. 25-year-olds, 0.029%. Tell me... The risk versus reward ratio for going out and getting myocarditis to protect your grandmother who's 85 from COVID when your chance of succumbing to the disease is 0.002. Tell me. Comorbidities weren't even the biggest predictor. Six plus of them? Maybe. The CDC lumps all comorbid conditions together, stating the risk ratio of COVID-19 death increases with the number of comorbid conditions. The risk ratio could be anywhere with 1.5 with a single condition to 3.8 with 10 or more. The same thing can happen to you with the damn flu. This explanation is not unfounded, but it has the advantage of simplicity at the cost of accuracy. Data published in July of 2020 describe with specificity the degree to which various comorbid conditions can positively affect the hazard ratio of COVID, raising risk by specific amounts in individuals with specific conditions. Importantly, however, all individual condition-related hazard ratios are dwarfed by the massive exponential impact of age, which is by far the most important comorbidity. Then they talk about how society has tried to memory hole COVID. And not for nothing, 
I didn't see, and this bothers me, and I'm just going to say it. I didn't see very many Trump folks sharing this because they think that it hurts Trump for some reason. We need to get to the bottom of this. This is so important. They're trying to put this someplace where we can't find it anymore. Forget that it happened. Move on, guys. That's four years old. Who cares about that? No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. We won't forget about this. I will never forget about this. How many of you lost a family member? I'm still losing family to this day from this debacle, this terrible tragedy that can never happen again. I'm sorry. They say, to be clear, scientific research into the consequences didn't begin with the outbreak of COVID. A wealth of contemporaneous scientific information already existed in major publications that could have informed a much more robust and meaningful response with, re- with respect to the death here. But much of it was ignored or even attacked by mainstream public health and media entities in the early months of the pandemic for reasons that aren't always clear. In short, this wasn't an information problem. It was a judgment problem. Lockdowns were acknowledged not to have a net benefit in this report and be implausible in stopping the spread, but media coming out of China changed the minds of people, saying they didn't work. In short, they were useless in stopping spread and in small targeted areas may have postponed spread or flattened the curve, i.e. everybody was getting this damn thing, but we locked everybody inside to try and slow down the trickle so we didn't overwhelm our hospitals where all of our nurses were dancing. They deconstruct the studies that the CDC used to inflate and manufacture the efficacy of masks. I mean, they literally in this report went in and deconstructed the, the, the CDC's masks pose a benefit studies to show why they were bunk. Beautiful. This is a grand jury. They say they should have done a randomized controlled trial, but the CDC said no one thought to do one. We just said wear a mask. There was a post on X last week where um, somebody who is pro-mask released, they did an experiment or something or said they should do an experiment and had everybody with N95 respirators. And they released some kind of noxious smelling gas that's aerosolized into the room because COVID is aerosolized. And they said, you know, can you smell this? And everyone was like, yeah. And then they handed out the N95 masks and had everybody put them on the respirator masks. And then they stopped smelling it because it was so toxic and noxious to them. They couldn't stand the smell anymore. And I'm like, okay, you should try that with random surgical masks and the crocheted mask that Alyssa Milano wanted us to wear. See if those work to stop the aerosolized particles. Crickets. Crickets from these folks. Crickets. Officials in our taxpayer-funded agencies knew masks had little to no efficacy in stopping or slowing the spread. They just wanted to control you. They just wanted to control you. They knew. The report even proves they knew. Now, we all knew this stuff. That's not the point. This is a criminal grand jury impaneled right now, putting out facts. They even addressed the droplet spittle theory that Fauci had after he told you not to wear masks, then told you again not to wear masks, then told you you should wear masks, then told you you should wear three masks.
And they talk about that they knew that COVID was an aerosolized virus. They knew how it spread. They never talked about it. And the fact that people were made to feel, the people who were elderly in their 80s and 90s were made to feel completely safe if they were wearing a mask actually harmed them because they thought they were safe and were around boatloads of people wearing masks thinking they were safe and then could have gotten COVID and been in that very high risk but very small population of people over the age of 85 that had a 12% chance if they were infected from passing. It was age. They knew that social distancing was useless, this report proves. You guys, it's 30-something pages. Please read it. Please read it. We need to talk about this. It needs to stay front and center. I don't give a shit who's running for president. I don't care. It's important. What happened to everybody in here, all of you watching and your families and continues to happen to this day, is the number one priority for me as a journalist. The number one priority. And I will not stop. I don't care who takes the presidency, who doesn't take the presidency. I don't care who's in Congress. I don't care. I don't care who wins, who loses. I don't care. I will never stop talking about this. Nothing you will do will ever stop. I will talk about this if nobody's listening to me. Somebody will be listening because somebody has been so affected by this that they cannot turn a blind eye to what the hell happened. This report talks about how George Floyd could have 12 funerals. Not really, but I'm saying. They knew that social distancing was useless. They even go so far in the report to say, like, there are still those plastic barriers up in front of people at freaking supermarkets that do nothing. It's aerosolized. Sitting six feet apart from each other at your mom's, sadly, or your dad's or your uncle's funeral. Not being able to hug your loved ones. Nonsense. Not being able to hug your loved ones at a funeral because the chairs are six, the magical number six feet apart from one another. They go on to say it was safest actually in hospitals and on planes because of the HEPA filters. Not that it was completely safe and you couldn't get sick on a plane, but it was safest there and in hospitals because they have HEPA. And they acknowledge in here that UV light worked, something we reported on in April when everybody was mocking Donald Trump for talking about the light. We had a report on that in April talking about the success of UV light in killing virus particles no one followed the science as per this grand jury nobody followed the science that's what they said nobody followed the science there are democrats republicans black people white people gay people straight people on this grand jury they are apolitical they have nothing to do with ron DeSantis. he has no control over them whatsoever outside of appointing them in the first place do not ignore this because you've somehow been weaponized against the governor of Florida. Please talk about it. Share it. Share it with your friends and family. They did a press conference on the first um, presentment over the weekend. On Friday, I think it was. Um, and it's it's a re- Joseph Latipo is there. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya was there. 
I was honored and blessed that he shared my thread on this work. All of us have such a responsibility to keep this at the forefront. We can't fall victim to the same tactics that are used against us by the left within our own community. It was sad for me to see that no big names were sharing this information outside of me and a few others, very few, only because they're afraid to share anything that may potentially shine a bright light on something good that's being done by a former primary candidate who's not even in the race anymore. Do not let that stop you. It's wrong. That's wrong. Please share this information. Thank you, Jersey Girl and Reese, for your um, generous contribution. I love all you guys, and I want to be able to fix this for everyone, or at least do my small part, whatever small part that is. And this is the way that I know how to do it, is with information. And so I'm going to keep sharing that for you so that you can go out and help your families. There are detox programs available for family members who got this and are now like, oh gosh, what did I do? There are protocols that doctors are are forming, like without the information available to you, because people are talking about it and sharing it, you're not going to see it. And then you're going to miss an opportunity. And I would hate for that to happen again. And I know that a lot of you in the audience were put in a place to make a decision about this that you really didn't want to make. And I am here to tell you that I'm going to do my best to get you in the place where you can find what you need to find. I'm not one of those people that's going to walk away from the injured or flaunt in their face that, you know, I didn't take it. I did my best during the time of mandates to beg and beg and plead with people to not do it because I knew there would be a time very near in the future where they wouldn't be able to do that to you anymore. And that time came. But now it's about accountability. And knowing this technology they're using in these shots for the future, the fact that Pfizer had a commercial during the Super Bowl where they were advertising their cancer cure, when we know that these things are causing cancer in exponential ways. I love you guys. Thank you for watching today. We started off nice and fun. We ended more serious. You have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast. You can hear the live show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time on Rumble, Getter, and X. I also do a pro uh, a pre-show, 7.45 on Locals. If you want to check that out, uncoverdc.locals.com. And um, the audio version of this, unedited, unedited today, goes out on all the podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, all of them, Google, Google Podcasts at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I will see you guys back here again on Wednesday. God bless.